Well, welcome everyone. Darren Saul here. Episode 162 of Playing With Perspective, the suspended animation podcast. Hope everybody's doing fantastically well midway through the week and everybody's busy. Now today I have the great honour of having Anthony Bowers on the show. Anthony, how are you doing? Uh, Darren, I'm doing very well. Yes, midweek, we're, we're, we're pumping through the week. Looking yeah, forward to, to Friday the weekend. It flies by. Absolutely. I'd like to say thank you very much for having me on your wonderful podcast for, what was it, episode 162? 162. Gracious. I'm waiting to break 200. Well, I'm, I'm happy to help you get there, sir. Oh, thank you. Now, um, topic for today, mm -hmm. the remote hybrid workplace of the future has no location barrier, which is- Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. And yep. for everyone out there who doesn't know who Anthony is, I thought I'd give you a little bit of an intro. With yep. more than 20 years experience in Asia, predominantly in China and the Philippines, mm -hmm. and he's an HR and BPO expert in the region. He has built dozens of high-performing teams based in the Philippines for clients around the globe. He is extremely adept at working in cross-cultural teams and loves to motivate and get the best out of his people. Yeah. So Anthony, welcome again, mate. Really looking forward to this topic. Thank you. I think it is a, a very interesting topic for current times and what everyone is going through regarding COVID and the hybrid workspace and what does the workplace look like for the future and what does remote working hold for us? Absolutely. It's kind of like, it's almost like part two in a way, because part one, there, there's been, you know, business process outsourcing for many, many years and VAs for many, many years. But now with the, over the last two years and the use of Zoom and the technology and the remote, you know, the habits of remote working, it's almost expedited that even further, hasn't it? Not to make light of the situation or be flippant about it, COVID has been a dire and terrible thing sure. for the world. Sure. But undoubtedly, we can also say that COVID has led digital transformation for the world. And who'd have thought yep. that some terrible epidemic has led to this incredible digital transformation. I was in an event just today called Strategy Fest. Right. I'm not part of it, so I'm not advertising or spruiking, but I, <laughs> I did want to say their name, the Strategy Fest, because it was the first time where I had a more enjoyable experience online in an event than I would have had physically. And I'm a big networker, as you know. Wow. I love getting around and meeting people and handing out cards and I have to say, I was very skeptical about online marketing, which is funny given that I'm a remote working person, but I just love the physical nature of, yep. of meeting people. They knocked it out of the park. It was an absolutely fantastic experience. I'm certain that COVID has driven that. And what I'm was so certain. good about it? What was, what was so brilliant about it? First and foremost, they had wonderful speakers. Yep. That's for sure. Always a start. But then they had it really worked out regarding the networking side of things, which is really big for me. So I go along to events primarily to network. Yep. I hope that I can learn something from the events as well. I think that's a very important part of it, but I am there to network and to meet other people. Yep. And they really did a fantastic job of facilitating that in a seamless manner. Brilliant. So fantastic content. There were some heavy hitters. I mean, you'd expect it. I mean, the global yeah. strategy head for Google and head of general manager of Microsoft and stuff. These are some serious players. Yeah. 
but it was managed well. It looked great. The ancillary services, I don't know what you would call it, around the event was spot on. So they got the UX really, really right. The UI and the UX of that event. And that's the first time I've felt that. Every other online event that I've been to has been clunky and a bit weird. And yeah. do we network? Do we not? Like, what is it? How do we do it? All a bit, it was all a bit, but this was like, this was, this was a professional. Awesome. Because as, as you just mentioned, now, like it's an opportunity now to be able to execute and deliver those kind of events to an incredible standard because that's what we have to do. And to change people like me where, where I shouldn't need changing given what I'm doing, as I said before, but there it is. <laughs> where, where I've been dragged kicking and screaming to, a, to an online seminar and event going, gee, I wish this was at the ICC so I could meet people <laughs> and having my mind completely changed. So there we go. Nice. Well done. Yeah, so strategy first. Well done. Let's chat a bit about your background. I'd love to hear more about, um, first of all, where are you? Are you overseas or are you here in, in Australia? No, I'm in Australia. I'm in, in Australia. DY, the great okay. south zone of the Northern Beaches. Nice, nice, nice. DY, I love it. If you remember the the lockdown. We do. So yes. we got, uh, got in the south zone. I'm. It, it's hard being away from my team yeah, yeah. in the Philippines. It's hard being away from the people that I care about and love in in. Hong Kong and China and and such. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, I don't think I'd want to be anywhere else. Okay. Great. DY wasn't a hardship posting when it came to COVID. Yeah. The other element to it is a marketing thing for me that I can hand on heart say that my company runs better when I'm not there, <laughs> which doesn't say a lot about my market, my 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 uh, yeah, business acumen. But it just does. So I have a very strong general manager and client engagement manager that run the company. I could go to Mars tomorrow. No one would know. And that's good. And it's shown that remote working just works. That's the other thing that's been very telling in a post-COVID world that it can work and it can work well. And then it's just figuring out whether it's the right thing or not for your company. And I'll go back to something that you said previously about, you know, outsourcing has been done for years. I, I just correct that and say, well, not correct that. I'd augment your, sure. your comment and say that outsourcing has been done for centuries, right? When, when you, when you made a book, when you wrote a book in your, in your monastery or wherever you were writing books, yep. that manuscript was sent to a book binder. There you go. That's outsourcing. That's right, yeah. Right. Now, in our particular, if we're going to get granular in it, and I'm doing this hopefully as a form of education sure. for your listeners, my form of outsourcing is called offshoring. Yeah. And offshoring is, as it is, sounds, as, as it states, is outsourcing but offshore. Yep. And it's fascinating because it is the, the, an industry where you can put a, a timestamp on it. So in the Philippines, in any case, was 1992, Makati, Accenture was the was ground zero. That's right. where so it that's, all began. That's where it all began, 1992, in the Philippines. Yeah. Wow. And uh, it was the realm of the big players, you know, your, your multinational corporates with their massive IT budgets yeah. and such. That has moved into different segments and different markets due to technology. So your technology, as it moves to the cloud, 
you are then free. Those, those location barriers don't exist anywhere, Darren, except in your mind. Your accounts are done in the cloud. Your marketing is probably a SaaS product. LinkedIn, you can manage your LinkedIn from Goa. Yep. Right? Quite, quite seriously. Definitely. If that is the case, then why would you only look locally for your HR? Some people say that because it's a, a patriotic thing. My answer to that is that there is nothing patriotic about being bankrupt. You are not helping yourself, your company, or your country by being inefficient. We are told by the powers that be that we must compete internationally. We're told that. We're told that because barriers and free trade agreements are bringing protective barriers down. That means we're being told to compete with international players. If we're being told that we must compete internationally, then we have a right to source the product of our production anywhere. And if that product of production is a staff member based in the Philippines, so be it. We have every right to do that and and to do it um, with pride. Absolutely. We know that when we make companies more efficient by having their staff offshore in the Philippines, that we grow the local company. They hire more people locally. Mm-hmm. So this idea that we're taking jobs from, from Australians and betraying our country is a total of nonsense. And I'm saying that also to educate your listeners to, to, to let them know that if that was a barrier to you looking offshore, please, please throw that in the rubbish bin of ideas where it belongs. Yeah, and I suppose you could also you could also argue that um, certain functions might be really useful to be offshored, and certain functions might be better served local. So by using outsourcing to perform certain functions, you're actually allowed allowing your company to grow to the point where you can in, invest and hire local people for those roles that are needed. So it's it's a win win. I have a glib marketing slogan that I don't like, but I'll say it anyway, because it does sum up that point. And my marketing comment is, uh, if it is not core, do it offshore. I don't really like it. And I'm trying to come up with something better, but it does get to the point. You didn't start your business to do accounting, unless you're an accountant. You didn't start your business to do LinkedIn posts at two in the morning. You didn't start your electrical business to get quotes done at 3 a.m. in the morning, which we come across all the time. So when you go to sleep, 4 a.m., what are you doing? Quotes. So that's fascinating. Um, What about your family life? Don't have one. That's also fascinating and not good. Fascinating in a really bad way. I totally agree. What you want to do is get your really high-valued staff wherever that is if it's australia singapore hong kong the us to do high value tasks makes sense to do marketing tasks to go out and meet people and greet i still think that's a very big part of it to do really high value tasks and all other tasks can be initially offshore my caveat to that is that eventually the Philippines, and I can only, I say Philippines, so I talk, that's the only experience I know when it comes to offshoring. They will also move up the ladder in what they're doing for the company. Our goal is that eventually the Philippines team will be feeding back 
information and knowledge to the client that it's not just a, a repetitive rote work and doing this. It may start like that, but eventually they will move up in what they're doing and actually be a source of information, knowledge, and strategy for the local client. That's where we love to see things going. Oh, fantastic. And I'm sure it will. And I want to, I'll drill down a bit more in a minute, but I'd love sure. to just hear your story. How did you get into this in the first place? You did ask me that and I didn't answer. I was, I was performing a politician's trick on you, Darren. <laughs> answer the answering. I led a very cloistered lifestyle. That's sorry, life or, or, or lifestyle. I grew up in the North Shore and I went to North Sydney Boys High and lived in Kirribilli. And it was, it was, it was a very sort of local uh, existence. I had a very eccentric father, though, and he made me learn Mandarin. Okay, since right. I was young and I, that had been, so that was that thread through my life. Yeah, wow. And I'd been up to China quite a few times, actually first went to China in 1982 as a young boy wow. with my mum. Yeah. I went to a commune and we were allowed into Canton is what they called it in those days uh, for two days. And it was quite, quite something. So that, that had been a continual thread. And I went to China in 2001 at the very beginning, January 2nd, 2001, something like that. It was meant to be for six months and life happened. Wow. So I was married. I had a kid, divorced. This was all in mainland China. I wow. lived a, a long time in the farms in rural China. Wow. So I was in the city, but I spent probably half of my time in the farm. So I've, lived, I've, I've seen that very rural uh, heartland of China. So that's a very deep impression on me. I then moved to Hong Kong became a Hong Kong permanent resident, which I'm very proud of. Amazing. And part of that in the last eight years, there's been a Philippines element where I started working for a large business process outsourcing company north of Manila and five years ago started my own thing in Cebu with a lot of hubris and ego. I'm happy to say that the ego has been viscerated and <laughs> scattered to the four winds, but brought back together and rebuilt yeah. hopefully as something better excellent oh, what a story I love so that's my story and then was thinking of coming back to australia anyway for family reasons was here for the accounting and finance show in february 2021 and that was that oh, here you go and so you run your so most of your um people are in the philippines is that right they're all in the philippines all in, or the, in philippines. the great city of cebu gotcha. we're proudly a Sabano company Wow. Fantastic. And a, how, many, how many people are we talking? Very small. So we've got 40 people at the moment. Okay, it's not that small. To put it in perspective, Concentrics have 280,000. <laughs> so we're, we're still a very small, we'd say a, a, a boutique offering for clients. And Lovely. I'm happy with that. And we do want growth, but we want it to be slow and steady so that we're getting the right candidates for our clients and being able to service our clients properly. We do a number of different things. We're agnostic as far as the, far as the roles go, yep. which is really interesting in that we have a foundation client where we're doing 24 by seven customer support for them. And they've recently started to look at us to do software development. I, I have to correct myself. We don't do software development. We find software developers. Gotcha for them. So that shows the agnostic nature of the, the roles. All right, awesome. So that's me. 
Amazing. What a story. I mean, yeah. and obviously, you know, you're an expert in this area. You know, you've lived and breathed business process outsourcing and yeah. offshore uh, help. Um, where do you think companies really can use this model to their advantage? And where do you think it might not be so useful? Are there any times when you say, look, I don't think we're for you? I'm going to take my time thinking about an answer to that one. We are always of use where there is an HR gap. Okay. I would say that's where we're of use. If a And an HR gap can mean many things. It could be that you're a single operator and you're looking to try and expand, but you can't because of different reasons, maybe costs, maybe other things then that's where I believe that we're very, very useful. It can come via lack of resources. So if you're a software development company, it can be very hard to even find people. Mm-hmm. If you're a company looking to rapidly scale, then offshoring is a great solution for you. If you're looking to scale without huge risk and overhead, then we are a great solution. For people that are not ready for it, I would say that the companies that we come across where they're only looking to cut costs are not the right people for us. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we think that we, it, we, I call it the mind wobble. Right? I know that my industry only exists because there is a price difference. Right. That's it. Simple as that. I don't think it should be the case. I think that people should be quite happy to hire a Filipino person at the same rate as an Australian person. And you're just hiring the best talent. And we hope that eventually the world becomes like that, that it's a global marketplace for talent, generally the same price around the world. And maybe I don't have a job anymore. Fine. And it's all becoming one big global marketplace. One big global market. I I have no issue with that at all. Why why shouldn't it be the case? Absolutely. Why shouldn't a single Filipino mother feeding five kids have the exact same right as someone in uh, in Maroubra have a decent life? It's all about the talent and the skills. It's all about the talent and the skills. What what, what do they bring to the company? Yep, absolutely. Going back to what I was saying before, that we know that it's about costs, but we know that if a company only focuses on costs and doesn't focus on all the other areas that it will fail. If you don't look at, for example, what are my processes? It's business process outsourcing. If you don't know what your processes are, good luck outsourcing it. You can can just on your costs, but if your business is not running properly, what's the difference? The great thing is that you find that out straight away. Not great (laughs) for me as a business, right? Because it can lead to a lot of problems. But you, it does shine a light on it. It shines a very strong light on a business's processes, their quality control, their run books, their manuals, their workflows. And if they haven't got that sorted out, they cannot outsource properly. It will be a disaster. So I would say that that would be the main thing. If a company hasn't sort of looked into that, or at least they, if they don't have a focus on that, we don't want them. If they know that they've got issues and we can help them with it, Great. We're happy to do that. Okay. Awesome. And something that I've always been fascinated about is um, what about the question of, um, you know, intellectual property or 
um, identity or you know confidentiality how do you make sure that um you know that's protected when you give someone a password to your whatever or you give someone the keys to your books or you give someone how do you manage that and reduce the risk yeah i mean it's a it's a it's the number one issue with offshoring i say would be data data privacy there there are many ways that you can do it i mean depending on the level so there are certain software controls you can put onto a computer to monitor the activity if there is certain keystrokes that are happening then that will be flagged which is very important you can block the USBs of a laptop oh, wow. so the data can't be taken out, and which is the our default position. So we're more secure than local workplaces in Australia. Because what's stopping the person in Australia putting their USB in and taking it out? Wow. So it's something to think about. And then it gets a little bit, you know, there are different areas that you can move into. We can work on a, a virtual private network so the data is just kept in one gotcha. uh, network that is that is secure. Then it gets really tricky. So we put together a, a large team for a bank and they were naturally super concerned about data. So the team was citrusing in. So they had terminals. Those terminals were accessing data in Australia. The data never left. Right. The only way that they would be able to uh, take data would be to take photographs mm-hmm. of the screen. Of the screen. Yep. screen but then they're being monitored 24-7. And so, I suppose then there's, you know, I'm sure there's non-confidentiality agreements and all sorts of other things as well. And that That's the next part of it. So we have very strong clauses in our contracts. We like to be a, 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 a good employer. We like to care about our staff and help our staff. We also have a very strong commitment to our clients' data. And our staff know that, that, yep. that they'd be really, really serious repercussions if there was ever a data breach and also between the companies the companies have a have a contract so talent has a contract with company a we'd be we'd be under we'd be in a lot of trouble okay well i mean and i mean talking about just the industry in general Mm. since i think you mentioned it started in 1992 is that right yeah how has it changed over the years how has the actual formula or the model changed over the years to where we are right now has there been any any massive, um, you know, jumps or massive progressions, or has it just been a similar model with little tweaks? There's been massive changes, and in many different ways. Right. And there seems to be waves of it. For the Philippines, at the very least, we've taken a lot of business from. India, for example, in voice work okay. and in software development. Right. India is still extremely strong in other areas, as strong in software development and, and tax and accounting. But the Philippines has been has done very well in voice in voice work. So that's been a change just in where where is work done. Yeah. And we've seen different centers grow up. Eastern Europe is very strong on software development. Vietnam is very strong on software development. Mm-hmm. So different areas are becoming specialized in different skills and that's a basic principle of the, you know global capitalism that that happens and we're seeing that in the offshoring industry and that's actually yeah. really good that's actually a really good point because i do some photography work and i found like i use sometimes some freelancers and i found the freelancers the graphic and artist artistic Indonesia. freelancers 
yeah. from Eastern Europe are fantastic. Eastern Europe, that's really interesting. I thought you might say Indonesia. Okay, Graf okay. Graphic design is exceptional out of okay. Bali. Interesting. Oh, really? Okay. Like exceptional. We have, we've got some graphic designers ourselves that we think are also exceptional, but Bali has a reputation for quite brilliant. Oh, yeah. uh, All right. I'll have to check designers. that out. That's fantastic. That's very interesting, isn't it? The Eastern Europeans for, for photography. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So that would be it. The other changes I would say, I don't think that the, the model of delivery has changed that much. So there are different ways that, that, that uh, an offshoring experience can occur, yeah. right? It can occur through a direct hiring through one of these websites like Outsourcely and, and Freelancer and yeah. Fiverr, whatever it is. And I have no problem saying the names, Darren. You're probably wondering, why am I saying the names of people that <laughs> potentially are competitor? Well, this is something I figured out that they're not our competitor, they're our lifeblood. Absolutely. Right? Off, off, Outsourcely and Fiverr and all of those make our clients, right? Definitely. It's almost really, like it's the same analogy of when you go to a, a yeah. strip full of restaurants, one next to the other. Yeah. You tend more to go to that than just one restaurant on a corner in the middle of nowhere. 100%. And for us, what it is, it gives people a taste of offshore. Yeah. Uh, and normally fairly successfully. It's normally people that, that have had an experience, maybe a few issues, but it's not a disaster. I would have thought that it was like the only people that would come to us is that they've had a disaster with yeah. with, a, <laughs> with a sort of a, a, a direct hire. Yeah. It's not. They, what they've done is that they've used these companies and they're now looking for a management to go on top. So like I've used it as successful. I've got it a, a cheaper than I would have if, if I was using a BPO provider, but now I just want someone else to manage the whole thing for me. And I, I just, I, I want to get on because they, they're getting into the trap again yeah. of working in the business, not yeah. on the business, exactly. right? And if, you're, if you've got like more than one VA that you're hiring directly, you're starting to work in the business again. Yep. Yep. So that's where we go. And I, I, I finally figured that. So now I'm like, thank you, outsourcing. We love you because you help people get into what we do and then provide a, a ramp to a different type of service. Brilliant. Um, yeah. And, and how do you... I mean, what's your philosophy in how you manage and inspire your team of 40 people, especially when you're not there? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think it's more how do I inspire the the executive team, right? So the, the actual production work that's done day to day is based on the clients. And we also want, you know, the entire talent family to feel that they are part of the family and that we're doing um, good work for our clients and, 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 uh, being a source of pride for the Philippines and indeed for Cebu. Yeah. A business has to have a clear vision. I think it's called, a, I don't know how to pronounce it probably to the Japanese people and Japanese speakers. I apologize. Yeah. I think it's called Ikigai. Yeah. Right. I may have completely shredded that pronunciation. <laughs> I, I apologize. Uh, and what I love about it is that it's the reason for being. What is your reason for being? There are all these circles and Venn diagrams. There's a thing. The middle is your purpose. Yeah. We know what our purpose is as a company. My executive team knows what their purpose is as a company. That feeds through to the team leads to all the staff. Funny enough, it's slightly different to my purpose, which is really interesting. My purpose is I want to, I, I want to create as many great job opportunities for people in the Philippines. And we love, we love hiring women as well. 
in the Philippines. I have to be careful what I say. I don't want to get into gender bias or anything like that. But but my background, the reason my talent started was because of seeing some of the horrible abuses suffered by Philippines and Indonesian women in Hong Kong, uh, who are domestic helpers. And I was like, well, if we can if if we can hire just one who doesn't have to make the choice to go overseas, then we've done we've done good work. And we you know we've hired quite a few in our time. So that that's that's my why. And I, and I guess that is it is the same alignment as, as talent itself as a company. That's the why we do what we do. Now, you may have thought the why was to help our clients. Yes, that is actually a residual effect of our why. Yep. We, we want to hire great people and give them great, great careers, and then they will do awesome work for their clients. And we found that to be the case. If people know the why, why do they get up in the morning, then just fantastically loyal. And I'm so proud of my team of how resilient they've been during COVID. I I will say that I when and, and it was it was tough, right? We did lose a lot of clients in 2020 because people could only work from home. Going back to data privacy, even though we we Are some so, of those clients coming back? They I hope so. I hope so. Uh, some some of them are I, I'm not sure, but we've we've had growth in our client base and we've had new new clients come on board. Okay. The main the main thing was they were really concerned about people working from home. They couldn't get around that. Yeah. I was so happily surprised at how well it went. I thought this is going to be just terrible, right? It can't work. It, it's it's you know it's all over. So I can I can admit admit now in hindsight. And of course, I never said that you know, to the staff. They don't want to see a, a, a head worrying about these things. It's like we're going to get through this. It's going to be fine. But inside, I was like, wow, how how will we get through it? Really well. So the the infrastructure in the Philippines in some areas is not wonderful. Mm-hmm. However, I think that for internet and data, it's pretty good. Okay. And it's shown to have worked pretty well during COVID with people working from home without without major issues. So I'm really proud of the way that that's all held up. Yeah. And I, I can imagine that you must be received extremely well by some, you know, some of the local community and family members that are because you're giving people work opportunities in a lot of these places. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I, yeah, I think, thank you so much. I hope so. I'd like to think that we're seen as a good corporate citizen and we do work at it. Yeah. I think just broadly, yes, the, the the industry has been a good one for the Philippines and we're really proud to see uh, the Philippines and Philippines companies move into different areas. So we're seeing a lot of Philippine fintech yep. coming out. We're seeing a lot of homegrown Philippine software development really showing their stuff on the world stage. We're really proud of that. And I'd like to think that the BPO industry helped nurture some of those people and nurture some of those companies and nurture the environment that allowed the Philippines to thrive and, and show their talent on the world scale, a uh, world, sorry, world stage. We are also, we also work at the corporate responsibilities. We've partnered with a school called Pusok Elementary. Okay, nice. <laughs> it's a school for itinerant workers. I've I've been out to their 
their, uh, you know, where they live, it's confronting. So they're the type of kids that aren't allowed into malls and stuff like that. Wow. Really hard. So we've done a lot of work with them. We, we uh, uh, a very poignant and, and, and um, learning experience for me was we, we had an event where we ordered Jollibee, you know, not, okay, it's not, not the world's healthiest food, I don't think, but it's very big in the Philippines. I love it. Way better than KFC, sorry. <laughs> What's it called? Yeah. Jolly, Jolly, Jollibee. 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 It's okay, Jollibee. great, great fried chicken if you're into okay, that. Great. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so we did it, and the kids weren't eating it. And I was like, you know, I, I, this, you know, I spent a lot of time on this. We put a lot of effort into this. You know, why aren't the kids eating it? And they're like, man, there's no way they'll touch it. They're going to take it home and share it with their siblings. Oh, my God. And that really is like, oh, wow. okay, wow. now I get it. So that was a real experience. But we've done other things like, like hand out school supplies and books and school in a box through my through Rotary help as well. Nice. My next big thing is that I'm looking to get a couple of laptops. Uh, put, put Apparently Google have some software that helps Frankenstein these laptops, something for Chromium or something. I don't know. I'm just talking about it. <laughs> We're trying to get some help from them to set up a little computer lab. Oh, these kids. Hopefully oh, that's awesome. help some of them in the future. So we're big onto that. Well done. That's that's beautiful. Great yeah. to hear. You know? So if we, again, it's small percentages. If we can get, if we can help just a few people in the right way, then if there's if there's enough of us doing it, we can have a big impact. Absolutely, and I wish you the best of luck with that because you're doing know, you. some great stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Well done. So tell us as well as providing that. excellent service to our clients. Let's not forget. Uh, let's yes, not, let's not, not forget about our poor clients. <laughs> I, I, I like to say, if we can do well as well as doing good, happy days. Yes, I like that. I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear more about talent itself. Tell us a bit more about any areas of specialty. Are there any particular ways that you uh, prefer your clients to engage with you? Give us a little bit of a rundown into talent. I, I, I wish we had a speciality, Darren. It would make my marketing way easier. <laughs> And we'd like to get there and maybe we will once we're at say a hundred staff that we'll have enough to be able to move into a certain area. Right. I'd say our speciality is the HR component itself. We are getting very good at that. And so for example, in my time in the industry, I would have hired over a hundred software developers easily. Wow. So even a very experienced CTO or senior team lead there's not going to be many of them around the world that have hired as many software developers that I have. So while I'm not a coder myself, although I have got onto Code Academy and played around with JavaScript and HTML and all that sort of stuff, uh, I have learned a fair bit about how do you hire good developers? How does that process work? So we're becoming specialised in the in the area of, of all aspects of HR across the entire continuum. So we're not just a recruiting company, although that's a big part of what we do. We're also housing the staff. We're building that team culture, that talent culture. We're doing all the payroll, doing all of the, the grunt work that goes around uh, staffing. And the clients love it because they get a great staff member that's just producing work for them. Everything else is taken care of by us. They get an invoice. It, everybody's happy. Now, of course, it doesn't always work like that and there's bumps along the way and, and ups and downs but generally that's the experience of our clients nice nice we 
if there was a speciality, I'd say it's software development, graphic design. Interesting. Okay. Was accounting. I, I, we lost a, a big accounting client during COVID, which was which was harsh. So we had uh, fifteen uh, accountants banging away. Wow. That client. So and you brought, up a really a really, you brought up a really good point, though. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you know you have so many people on hand that clients can access. Yeah. But as well as that, if they need you to hire specific skills from from outside and bring them in, you can do that as well. Well, yeah, and I'd say that's what we do. That's oh, that's more of what you do. Okay, it would be now if we're bigger. Say that we are at a hundred seats. We the, the technical word is bench. So if we're at a hundred seats, we'd have a bench. We'd have five to ten people that are just there yep. doing work, whatever that can be immediately picked up by clients if needed. Mm-hmm. And that's quite an advantage. At the moment, we're finding staff on the remit of our clients. Nice. They nice. come to us and say, I need this type of person to perform these processes in this role. Right, and right. We do that. A little bit of trial and error because a lot of the time what the client tells us they want isn't actually what they want. Yes. There's so <laughs> always a bit of to and fro and it's it, it work, work, work in progress. Work in progress. We get there. Through a, through a process of refinement. Which is actually quite interesting because not every outsourcing company or BPO company does that. A lot of people will have more people on the bench and that's mainly who you access rather than you going out to hire on the remit of your clients. Which, which harks back to the boutique nature of what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not a we're not a 10,000 seat call center with uh, yeah. you know, pink plastic chairs and chipboard desks and swinging lights. Yeah, yeah. That is not us. We we're at the very very A grade offices that we, we pay a lot for, but we want staff to feel good when they come in to the office. We want it to be a fantastic place. We want them to be proud of where they work. And and yes, it, it is a a boutique thing for the client. So it's very much tailored to what is the client looking for. And we go off and most of the time find that person. Some of the more tricky roles we can we can struggle with, but there's generally such a wide talent pool nice, yeah. in the Philippines that we do. We do. Um, I'm sure. What's, what's the population of the Philippines? Oh, that's a good idea. So I, I, I always get my put my foot in it. But I'm going to say 76 million, <laughs> and I'm going to go to Google. I'm going to we're going to Google it right now. Yeah, please do. My God, 76 million. I could be completely wrong. Wow. Well, I am in the wrong way. 100, 108 million. Wow. Incredible. That's incredible, right? Incredible. Yeah. I mean, just look at that from a skills and talent point of view. Correct. 108 million people to choose from. And we want to we want to provide those people with every opportunity to thrive and succeed. Wow. Well done. Well, Anthony, I love a good story and my audience loves, you know, a good case study in a way as well. So yeah. I wonder if you could tell us a story about a client that might have come to you, you know, maybe with a negative connotation or negative aspect to what you do and then you've totally turned them around and they're just absolutely loving it and business is as good as ever and they would never never go elsewhere or any story that you, you think of would you know highlight yeah I'm trying to, i've got a lot of them i'm just trying to think of the best one good there are a couple so my favorite one it was when i started in the, in the industry so i can't name any names because it's with a with a different company but these were these were some hard-hitting lads from sydney in the uh, telco space 
hard, hard, hard hitters. These are seriously serious adult people. <laughs> and they'd been dragged kicking and screaming to do, to do or kicking and screaming. Towards the end of it, they just had such loyalty and bond with their staff. Still there, it was a wonderful rollout. The, the Philippine staff just knocked it out of the park. And I was always so proud of that because we we very much changed hearts and minds. And I I'm always I, I'm always I always think of that rollout with a lot of pride. And to think we've made the world a better place because we've broken down barriers and we've put aside preconceived notions of what people are and what they're capable of or the judgments that I think just come naturally. I think everyone does it. And those, those were put aside for, for a very successful rollout that's still going for that particular company. Wow. And, uh, the other ones are when... Again, we're exceeding expectations. Mm. So I remember uh, it's accounting clients, a, yeah, not a good example because they eventually left us because of COVID. But I remember the very first time I spoke to the owner of that company and he was very sort of wary and dismissive. He's like, really? Can they really do work? I'm like, mate, they can. I mean, they're, they're very educated. Uh, there's a very good education system in the Philippines. There's a highly educated people that can do great work. And I love seeing that team's progression where it started as only back-end work, doing auditing to client-facing. Oh, wow. And I, I love that because I often hear that, oh, we can't, we can never, we can never do client-facing. So it's like, yeah, well, yep. you say that. Give it time. Give it time. Once you get comfort, you, you can because... There's great English. Again, the Philippines has dominated voice work. Yeah. It's taken a lot of business from other areas of the world with voice work because they have better English. As simple as that. A lot of my staff have better English than I do. <laughs> yeah. They have a better understanding of grammar. They have a clearer pronunciation. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it's great. So th- those are the areas that I love where we, we've shown that the Philippines can do to the very highest level where we feed back into the home client, where we're sharing knowledge and giving opinions and strategy, et cetera. That, that's where it, it, it really, um, I really love what I do. Oh, I mean, it definitely, you can see it. It's, you know, your why is very, very obvious. It's not just about, you know, it's not a bus- just a business for you. It's about giving back and really making a difference to people's lives. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, that's why I get up in the morning. I, of course, want a success. Of course, have to run a business. You know, we all do. Was that not, yeah. steep, steep learning curve, Darren. Steep learning <laughs> curve. And I'm still learning how to try and run a business properly. Luckily, like I said, my, my general manager and client engagement are sort of very happy that I'm not there to get in the way. They're just so, uh, they're running the, very, the business very well without me. But our why is very clear. We, we, we're here to provide good, decent, white-collar careers for people in the Philippines that uh, resonates through our company. Yeah, that's beautiful. And do you um, have any prospects to maybe start to move beyond the Philippines or that's enough for you? you That's really interesting. Yeah, we do. We do. I was going to bring it up in in an earlier part of the talk about, I forget what the nature of that we were talking about, something about skill sets or something. 
we we do eventually want to be able to service, say, the French community, French-speaking community, and and maybe German or something like that. Now wow. we have to look elsewhere. So it could be Africa. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, it could be Africa. It's most likely Africa is the next step. Fascinating. Uh, that's in a year or two, and we will find somewhere, and hopefully there's an established BPO. Yeah. If there's not, we will start one. That that would be where we we want to go, potentially to Bali for graphic design because it's just so good. Yep, could be could be an area for us, and it's also about where the clients want to go because often clients want to visit people. Yep. They may not be so keen on on, on visiting a far flung place in Europe, mm. getting them to come up to Bali. Probably you know not exactly a hardship. Yep, travel assignment. So that that also pay, um, you know, plays a factor. Well done. So, Anthony, tell us a bit about where and how people can find you at Talent. Well, sure. Uh, they can come to the website, yep. which is Talent, which is spelled Tallant, T-A-L-L-A-N-T dot Asia. Love it. I'm Anthony, so people call me Ant. I'm not exactly tall. <laughs> it's pronounced talent and spelt and in fact is pronounced talent itself uh, so, um, but just not the talent we wanted we wanted t-a-l-e-n-t but you know the urls are all gone let's take it gotcha well, that's great gone. talent i like that talent asia go and have a look at the website we've got videos up there of, of, of our staff and we, some of the work that we've done with pusok elementary and clients that we've worked with so you can get an idea about our business we're on all the the, the normal social media like linkedin and and facebook if you type talent t-a-l-l-a-n-t you will find us there love it and rest assured i'll make sure i put all those links in the show notes thank you so the audience can access them no problem at all um so i would definitely if you're looking to hire some people overseas to help you with your business processes have a chat to anthony at talent because you know it's clear that he loves what he does and he's good at it uh darren thank you very much it's uh, been a real pleasure to be on your 162nd oh, thank you sir i appreciate it i really really enjoyed it oh, my pleasure. anything you'd like to leave us with before we finish up i'll give you the last word for the last word will be the first word and that we spoke and that is break free of your chains when it comes to hr do not chain yourself to location if you can find great talent here in australia go for it it's fantastic we're not a fan of having 100 percent offshore we, we, we believe it's a hybrid future a mixed future of people being having a, a local teams and offshore teams working together as one team beautiful well done what a great place to finish so anthony yep. thank you so much everyone out there anthony bowers from talent yep. check it out and we'll see you very, very soon for another episode of Playing With Perspective, the Suspended Animation Podcast. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Bye for now, everybody. Bye.